1: Welcome back to the Food Code. Happy Hump Day, day before Christmas Eve. I can't believe it's Christmas week. I can't believe it's the end of the year. This has been crazy. Um, Anyways, we are back with the gut health. Um, We, in part one on Monday, talked a lot about what gut health is, um, and my, mainly foods that can impact gut health in a positive manner. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit more around lifestyle factors and the top five things that Liz and I look at when we first start working with a client, especially if that client has a history of, you know gut issues in terms of maybe they have an autoimmune condition, they might have GERD, they might have colitis, they might have you know IBS or just bloating and constipation. Um, any of those things, we always dive into addressing each of these factors um, to make sure that we are doing all things possible to get them back to feeling optimally.
0: Yep. Yeah. And for some clients, you know, we have to get some other testing done, some blood work, maybe some labs <laughs> um, and then even stool samples or, um, you know, things that can kind of show us a little bit more information about what's going on in the gut and, you know, what the bacteria balances or imbalances are, maybe overgrowth of different things. And, you know, parasites can also play a role. I know it's really gross to think about, but parasites are a real thing. You can pick them up anywhere, especially if you have pets or you eat a lot of, you know, fish or you travel a lot. So, you know, there are other ways that we kind of dive deep with some of our clients, but these are just going to be kind of the, the main main areas that we'll cover for all of you today. So first thing that we look at is, you know, maximizing digestion. We talked about this in our um, digestion podcast last week. If there's any discomfort, you know, immediately after eating or within less than kind of two hours. Then that discomfort should be connected to a stomach-related issue or lack of digestive enzymes or HCL um, acid production. So that's why a lot of times we have our clients supplement with digestive enzymes. Um, for some individuals, we'll have them do apple cider vinegar, you know, before each meal, especially if they have you know GERD or acid reflux things like that. We can also use things like Swedish bitters or you know, just an HCL on its own um, for short periods of time to kind of reboot um, the person's digestive system um, and address any of these digestive based symptoms that they're experiencing. Um, And then both digestive enzymes and HCL, you know, we recommend to the majority of our clients, there's really no negative um, side effects to taking them. We create digestive enzymes, but a lot of times, you know, As we age, as we kind of diet for long periods of time, the body's under stress, chronic underlying inflammation, um, or maybe we remove certain foods such as carbohydrates for long periods of time, um, those digestive enzymes can downregulate. And so it's just, you know, a natural way to kind of give your body a little bit more support from that enzyme um, perspective to be able to break down um, protein, carbs, and fats couple of our favorite ones we talked about in the other podcasts, our first form digestive enzymes. those are my personal favorites, um, and then the now super enzymes as well. But we also like pure encapsulations. Um, they ha- have a great uh, digestive enzyme product too.
1: yeah they've been a game changer for me. I I never go anywhere without them. (laughs) Um, So number two is maintaining proper liver and gallbladder function. And this is hard because obviously like a lot of people don't instantly connect symptoms to an issue with liver or gallbladder. And it's easy to forget how big of a role they play um, in the digestive process. They kind of get very little attention um, when they actually deserve quite a bit of attention. And that is where some of the many problems can begin and go unrecognized. So ignoring the health of both the liver and the gallbladder, a person may feel able to maximize their true gut health potential. And the extent of what can be done to improve a person's detox pathways is a very different topic for another day. We'll talk about, I think we're going to do a liver detox episode in the near future, probably. Um, But simply focusing on getting the proper levels of amino acids and B vitamins that the liver requires, a person's going to be doing a lot for their body um, in terms of making sure that bile simulation and its creation are properly optimized along with the liver's phase one and phase two detox pathways. So the thing about the gallbladder is that the gallbladder produces something called bile salts. Bile salts help break down lipids and fats into usable forms. So we work with a lot of people and I know a lot of women out there actually don't have a gallbladder anymore. And so here's the issue. When you consume high fat meals, what the gallbladder is supposed to do is it's supposed to kind of overregulate a little bit and create higher amounts of bile salts to manage those higher levels of fats. When you don't have a gallbladder, think of it as like a slow drip. So there's really no reaction because obviously the gallbladder is not there. There's no reaction to overproduce these bile salts to manage these high fat foods. And so it's more of just like this little itty bitty drip that happens. And so the problem here can end up in diarrhea. It can end up in just bloating and not feeling great, it can end up in lack of digestion and absorption of foods. And so we actually have a special form of digestive enzymes we recommend for people that don't have a gallbladder that actually includes something called ox bile, um, which helps produce bile. Um, And so this is the big problem with the gallbladder. And then the liver function, liver, you know, a lot of people have talked about or bring up the idea of a kind of like liver sludge, um, kind of like a uh, mucked up liver situation to where it's not detoxing properly. And so we've talked about this in the past. The liver is extremely important in terms of detoxing, excess hormones, excess toxins, and chemicals within the body. And there's really only three ways you do it. You sweat, you pee, and you poop. Those are the three ways you detox things. Um, And there's two forms of liver detox. So there's, I'm sorry, pathways, pathway one, pathway two, they have to meet up properly. And there's things that impact both of those pathways that can often result in pathway one going too quickly and pathway two not being able to keep up or vice versa. And so we'll talk about this again in another podcast, but both of these things are extremely important for overall digestion and gut health. And we have to make sure there's ways you can identify whether like the liver is kind of sluggish. Um, You know, we see this a lot of times with like estrogen dominance type symptoms, um, struggling to lose weight or gaining weight, potentially skin issues, really bad PMS symptoms. Um, just overall inflammation within the body among some other symptoms. But there's, you know, these two pieces of the puzzle, a lot of people actually forget about when it comes to digestion in the gut.
0: Yep. Yep. And then the third thing here is kind of, you know, we we talked about a lot in part one, balancing the bacteria in the gut in a positive manner. So we need both the good and the bad, but we want kind of, you know, more of the good uh, and, you know, minimizing some of the bad guys. So reducing inflammation, like we talked about, um, reducing inflammation from, you know, foods and eating a wide variety of foods, um, high in micronutrients and fibers, um, because that gives us the vitality to fight off many of the bacterial attacks that might be, you know, happening or occurring in the gut. Um, you know, when we work with clients and we talk about like eating in season, we look at, you know, having a really diverse diet, not just from you know, vegetables and fruit, but also from the different type of starches that they're consuming, the different type of meats that they're presuming, uh, consuming uh, to make sure that they're getting you know, all of the amino acids that they need and you know, doing everything that we can to really um, create kind of a good gut population. Okay, so when it comes to kind of correcting an imbalance, um, a lot of times we do have to do other testing or we'll have to use certain botanicals even medications, you know, uh, depending upon the person, if they do have, you know, an overgrowth of bacteria or yeast overgrowth, maybe they've got a a parasite that we have to kill off. There's a lot of different herbs that can be used. Sometimes prescription medications um, have to be used to eradicate those unwanted pathogens, but we really have to, you know, get the gut in balance um, so that we can start to, you know, move forward in the right direction rather than just, you know, living with an imbalanced gut and kind of living with the side effects of what that is. You know, again, we should not have symptoms where we're tired all the time or, you know, dry skin or, you know, just feel like we can't sleep. We can't go to the bathroom regularly. All of those things are signs of an
1: imbalanced gut. Yep. So we kind of tailing onto what Liz just said. Number four is bowel regularity. So this one should be super easy to comprehend as, you know, you guys, I'm sure have heard us talk about the importance of going to the bathroom daily more than once. Um, it's vital to maintaining the health of the colon and of the gut. The use of fiber, bitter foods, binder supplements, not Miralax, um, things, you know, with, that are a little bit better suited, um, digestive enzymes we really like, prebiotics, probiotic rich foods can all greatly help in doing so. However, laxative supplements should only be used as like a last resort option. And we do never, we never recommend these to our clients unless there has been some, you know, kind of abnormal situation going on um, we use more what we call kind of soft laxatives things like natural calm magnesium supplement um, you can use things like aloe verax um, is another option things that are just a little bit softer um, than like a straight- up laxative um, and they should again obviously only be used as a last resort option and if they are being used then they should only be used for a very short period of time you know ranging from a few days to maybe a week at the most um, the, the the examples I think of with this is like post Postpartum sometimes. Um, I know a lot of people, if they have like a traumatic birth or something like that, then it's scary to go to the bathroom for the first time. Um, And so, utilizing it in that situation, or just if you've been really constipated for more than a couple of days and it's not normal for you, um, sometimes it can help. You know, if you're on vacation, if you're coming back from vacation or traveling, sometimes that can kind of irritate the gut and just throw you off with the types of foods you've been consuming. So, if you're experiencing actual constipation symptoms, um, then, then those things can be an op- option as well. But again, bowel regularity is extremely important for just removing the things out of the body that shouldn't be in the body very long um, and, you know, detoxing the body.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with this last one, which is the, you know, the body's intestinal motility. So a large percent of all digestive problems, whether it's, you know, dysbiosis, other infections, constipation, or even things like SIBO, they, they're all related to improper motility of the digestive tract. Okay. And inefficient motility pretty much means that the muscles of the digestive tract are not efficiently um, pushing food downward and out of the body as a stool. So, you know, sometimes when we see clients who have like too much of that stimulation, they're going to the bathroom a few times a day. Maybe they're experiencing, you know, periods of what I call dumping. So, you know, constantly uh, going to the bathroom and it's kind of like very loose stools. Um, When we look at motility from the brain through the vagus nerve, you should be getting anywhere between like 11 and 13 um, kind of signals to push food down and out. But if we are consuming food constantly, or we have, you know, other issues going on such as, you know, digestive stress uh, in the guts or, you know, infections, then sometimes that is, you know, dysregulated and it's not doing what it needs to do to push food down and out. So if someone's kind of suffering from either bloating, gas, constipation, then what we usually do is implement some modified fasting, right? Um, Or motility enhancing foods, um, or sometimes supplements, which are called um, prokinetics that can help improve um, a person's gut motility. And the modified fasting seems to work for most clients. Usually we just have them, you know, kind of take a break for three to four hours between meals, rather than just constantly eating, you know, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, Dinner snack um, because that doesn't allow the body um, to send that signal. Other things that you can do to kind of stimulate the vagus nerve uh, as well is things like gargling. You can sing, you can hum, you can, you know, do some jumping jacks even. Um, all of those things will kind of stimulate uh that vagus nerve to be able to send the signal from your brain to the gut to push food down and out.
1: Yeah. And you're not going to like be feeling these signals, guys. It's not like start counting 11 to 13 times a day and make sure you feel these signals. This is just something that the body ideally should be doing throughout the day. You won't be able to tell it's happening. (laughs) but So before anyone starts kind of any type of gut healing plan, there's obviously some common sense dietary factors that reach outside the realm of just food quality alone. And they do need to be addressed before a person can even truly like heal from a gut dysfunction. Um, The first of these important lifestyle factors revolves around a person's daily carbohydrate intake. Um, next amount of movement, social interaction, the person's getting each and every day. And lastly, making sure that they keep their blood sugar levels in check. So we're going to go through a few more here, um, you know, some lifestyle factors, but if not properly addressed guys, all three of these will contribute to higher levels of inflammation and or gut digestion problems. Um, and they dramatically hinder our ability from recovering to a healthy gut. Um, So we're going to go through a bunch of other lifestyle factors right now um, that can essentially, you know, help you prior to and throughout a targeted gut healing process. Um, Liz and I don't like to go through like massive gut healing protocols. They are usually pretty restrictive and a decent amount of work for clients. Um, They include more supplements, stuff like that. But to be totally honest, if someone does not see relief of symptoms with like a simple elimination diet and implementing these lifestyle factors, then sometimes they are necessary, but we don't love doing it. Um, You know, these really only help ensure in speeding up the process. And you want to address all of these before like diving down the head route of supplements. So number one, shocker, mitigate stress as much as possible, guys. Practice stress management techniques. If an adrenal problem is suspected, you know, a stress problem, like a chronic stress problem, then also consider taking a step back from any excessive exercise, you know, or lifestyle habits that may be contributing to it. This is kind of the situation of, are you a yes person? You know, are you a person that never thinks of your time and always tries to do everything for everyone else that could be considered, you know, that can be contributing to massive gut issues. A lot of times people come to us and they're like, I don't understand why I'm, I have digestive issues. I eat really healthy. And you look at their life and they're stressed out of their mind. Um, and it can oftentimes, usually loose stool is kind of the like result of stress. Um, we always say poop tells you a lot of stuff and loose stool is usually a pretty common indicator of some type of stress.
0: Yeah, another thing that you can do is spend time with family and friends and really focusing on, you know, that connection that you have with individuals and fostering healthy relationships, Um, you know, maybe even some relationships that have been lost and you need to rekindle. Um, A lot of what we do is work with our clients around their mental and emotional state. And how are they feeling? Do they have that connection? Do they feel fulfilled in their life? Um, And are they doing things every day that make themselves happy and bring joy? So usually as a non-negotiable, we have our clients do one thing every day to de-stress and something that brings them joy. But, you know, Looking at our relationships, we would say at least one to two times a week should be your goal to spend time, you know, whether it's date night, whether it's a night with your kids, whether it's girls night or just right now in, you know, the situation that we're in a zoom happy hour with some friends and just laugh and have time where you're not really thinking about all of the other things that are going on in your life, but you're just focusing on making that connection and having, you know, good communication and um, conversation with those individuals that you care about uh, in your life.
1: Yep. Number three, exercise the right amount. Um, You know, at this stage in any gut healing repair protocol that we have with a client, it's going to depend. And obviously if you can exercise outdoors, that's even better getting fresh air, getting sunlight. Um, But unfortunately, exercise is a stress on the body. Um, If you're doing like super high intensity you know, hit training, Orange Theory, CrossFit, stuff like that, that can actually be causing some of the problems. That can actually become a bigger issue for people. Um, you know, same with running. Running long endurance training can actually start to break down the intestinal barrier of the gut, um, and so you have to understand that exercise is great, but it's also a stress. And if the body is super stressed out already you might need to take a step back and do a little bit less intensity of stuff. Um, You know, walking, some bodybuilding type strength training, stuff that's just not as taxing on the central nervous system. So number four, cut out all possible environmental toxins that may be present. Cause you know, I think everyone can give their lives a little queen seep, queen, clean sweep um, and find a few unhealthy things, you know, that can be moved from their, removed from their daily grind. Um, This includes toxic people, guys, Liz, and I have talked about this before. You are who you surround yourself with. If everyone around you is always complaining, everyone around you has anxiety, is always fearful of what's going to happen next, guess what you're going to end up like? Probably like them because that's what you're consuming. So I know it's hard to sometimes break off friendships, especially if they're like your family. Um, and we're not saying stop hanging out with people, you know, and just say, screw you guys. Um you need to just understand, like, maybe it, you, you don't talk to them as much. Maybe, you know, you say, I'm going to stay home tonight versus going out and listening to that complaining all the time. But in terms of the toxins, um, Liz and I have talked about this before. We both use, um, you know, shampoos, face wash, skincare that is toxin and chemical free. Um, I use Alba Botanical. Alba botanica products. Um, I get them on Amazon, but you can find them in most grocery stores. Um, and then, you know, I use things like Meyers, uh, brand cleaners, um, that are environmental free or environmental friendly. Um, you know, just because like I'm cleaning off the kitchen counters and that's where I'm cutting food or placing food. Obviously I want to be making sure that as much of what I have in my life is, you know, removed from you know, removed toxins and chemicals, uh, prior to using it.
0: Yep. Another thing that you can do is swap out like aluminum foil and parchment paper in your kitchen and use chlorine free parchment paper. Um, that makes a big difference, especially if you're going to be cooking, you know, food, uh, on the foil like that's going to seep into your food just the same way as if you were to heat something up in a plastic container Um, we've talked about this before too like if you've ever done chili in a plastic container you're probably never using that container again because it's stained forever from all of the um, you know spices and the tomato seasoning so just as you're warming that you got to think that bpa is getting out into the food um, the same way that the food is seeping into that plastic so we always recommend using glass containers um, as well and then you know like we talked about earlier too with our Brita uh, water bottles, just minimizing um, or completely eliminating in, in my opinion, um, any use of tap water, because there's a lot of things that are in our tap water that are kind of just adding to that toxic load. So the next one here is, you know, we touched on this already a little bit, spend as much time possible outside in the sun um, and get in nature. Um, There's, you know, so many benefits that we've talked about on this podcast many a times that go way beyond what most people realize um, just by spending time outdoors, even just going for, you know, a 10 to 20 minute walk outside can get, you know, a good dose of vitamin D, increase your energy, that alertness state, but also kind of get you into a meditative state. So research shows that just a 20 minute walk in nature can be just as good as trying to sit down and meditate and both of which Becca and I are not great at doing because I just fall asleep um, and have really struggled. So that's walking is my meditation. So you know, at the bare minimum, I would say, make it a goal to hit that eight to 10,000 steps every single day
1: and move your body as much as possible. Um, and ideally outside. Yep. Number seven is aim to sweat a few times per week without getting the heart rate up. So we know that this is hard, especially in Chicago or the Midwest in the winter time. Um, ideally, and I know right now, this isn't something that's quite an option, but like a sauna is a great way to do this. Um, you know, it's a great way to detoxify the body and the mind. Um, if you live somewhere warm, just going and sitting outside or, you know, walking outside uh, you don't want to be doing something super high intensity if possible. Um, you know, a steam bath is another option. Um, you know, a hot shower is another option, but like we said, the body needs to detoxify itself and sweating is one of the only three ways that you can do that. Um, and if we're only sweating through an exercise, then it it just, it's a stress added to the body, obviously, with that exercise. So that's why we, we talk about trying to do it in other ways. Um, number eight, get the right amount of sleep each night. Eight hours should be the goal. You know, I would say seven hours is like bare minimum, you know, any less could be problematic. And if a person is constantly oversleeping, it should also serve as a sign there may be a problem or another issue to kind of keep an eye on. Like, we have we have a couple clients that sleep nine hours a night, nine plus hours a night and don't feel rested. Um, and so that's showing us that obviously the body is not recovering overnight as it should be. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this area for a lot of people. Sleep quality, falling asleep easier. Um, a lot of the foods we talked about, gut health in general, is going to make a big impact on this, but trying to be in bed, in bed for at least seven to eight hours.
0: All right. So as we kind of wrap this up, we'll just give you, you know, a a quick recap of what we talked about in part one and part two. So number one is inflammation and, you know, removing possible trigger foods that are causing that underlying inflammation. So incorporating more uh, one ingredient, whole foods, resistant starches, uh, good probiotic and prebiotic foods, um, as well as foods that are, you know, full of fiber, insoluble and soluble fiber. Okay. Um, because that is going to assist, you know, the proper digestion and absorption of, you know, nutrients in the body. Um, we want to create and maintain a healthy microbiome, right? Keeping balance of beneficial bacteria. So again, incorporating some of those fermented foods that we talked about and you know, minimizing processed foods and a lot of sugar, uh, improving your motility and, you know, kind of taking breaks and allowing the body to send that signal through your um, vagus nerve to push the food down and out and making sure that we're going to the bathroom every single day. Um, and then, you know, focus on some of those lifestyle factors, such as reducing the toxic load, moving your body every day, de-stressing, spending time with family and friends and doing things that bring you joy because, at the end of the day, guys, gut health, it's a really complex topic, but we wanted to bring this to you today because, you know, it's something that we do talk a lot about with a lot of our private clients. Um, and we could go on and on about this and we'll probably have to do a third or a fourth, you know, episode on this, but this is a really great place, you know, for you to start. Uh, if you are experiencing, you know, severe symptoms, let's say you are, you know, having to take acid blockers, or you always have an upset stomach or you're gassy or you're farty, or, you know, you're constipated for a few days. And then you kind of go through those bouts of dumping, um, or feel like you get, you know, kind of vertigo symptoms after eating certain foods, or, you know, that kind of like nauseous, um, feeling that you get as always, we would recommend, you know, working with somebody, hire a coach, work with a holistic doctor, somebody that can help you determine what your individual needs are, needs are when it comes to improving your gut health, because there's many paths, um, that can be taken. And for some people, you might need to go through a full on, you know, gut healing protocol, wipe the slate clean for a few days, doing some different fasting protocols, including certain supplements or antimicrobials to kill off overgrowths If you're experiencing those things. So, you know, every person is different and your gut microbiome, it turns over, you know, every, you know, few days. And so it's important that we pay attention to this because it does impact our health, and it impacts you know everything um, in our life—from our ability to think clearly, to sleep, to digest, you know, and absorb the nutrients that we're consuming, to process sugars, to keep hormones in check, to, to have great skin and healthy hair, and you know, again, just kind of overall like how our health is—it's all a byproduct of
1: how our gut health is. Absolutely. So hopefully this was helpful guys. Hopefully you took some stuff away from this and some new things you're going to implement. Um, there's a lot you can do. There is a lot you can do to improve your gut health and start to optimize it. So hopefully this wasn't overwhelming. Start small, start with the areas that you think are probably your biggest issues, um, and can be the farthest reaching. So hopefully that was helpful and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Thank you all so
0: much for being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, the best thing that you could do for us as a gift to us would be to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram, tag us, share it on Facebook, whatever platform that you listen, or just tell a friend, invite a friend to listen to this podcast. Um, The more that you can kind of share with word of mouth, the more people that we can touch throughout the world.